This is Amy Boris, Deputy Director of CII, and I'm speaking with CII Executive Director Ken Birch about the Council's campaign against public companies issuing shares that give investors no voting rights at all. CII swung into action initially in response to the decision by Snap Inc., owner of the messaging app Snapchat, to make its initial public offering with non-voting shares, a first for the U.S. Ken, what's wrong with no voting shares? So voting rights are a core attribute of equity capital. It's really a core part of the definition of equity, so it's got a problem right there. With no voting rights, shareholders lack an ability to ensure accountability other than by selling the shares. This becomes a problem in particular for index investors who are not going to sell. could argue that litigation is another solution, but that's not really a very good solution. Now, in addition, with no-vote shares as opposed to low-vote shares, which we're more used to, some disclosures are not required. No proxy statement is required. There are no shareholder votes on, say, on pay. Uh, There are certain other disclosures that may not happen. SNAP has volunteered or stated an intention to provide some of the disclosure, but not all. But most fundamentally, directors should be accountable to shareholders. Here, they're only accountable essentially to the two founders of the company who are also running the company, so so there's no accountability. Another take on it is that the no-vote shares is a short-term play. Pricing of shares at the IPO tends to be dominated by short-term holders and short time horizons, um, and it's hard to factor in some longer-term factors. And the problems with dual-class shares, especially no-vote shares, really is particularly acute in the longer term. With SNAP, we are talking about a no accountability of the two founders to anyone ever with no reversion to a more traditional structure until they sell most of their shares or both die. So they're young. So what is CII doing in response to SNAP's no-vote shares? So we're doing some of the things we've done before, including going back to the stock exchanges, which CII has done repeatedly over the last 30 years without a great deal of success. That is NYSE and NASDAQ. SNAP, by the way, is NYSE listed. Uh, But we're doing some new things, and particularly talking with the index providers about excluding zero-vote share classes going forward. So this is FTSE Russell, which is now combined into one company, S&P and MSCI. We uh, also are paying attention to what is happening in other exchanges. There's been a, you know, I've been calling it a race to the bottom. I'm not sure it's exactly a race because it's been a slow process over many years, but it seems to be accelerating right now. Uh, NASDAQ and the NYSC have led the trajectory to the bottom, but now Singapore is contemplating permitting dual class finally under pressure from NASDAQ and, and NYSC for listings, especially of IPOs. And Hong Kong has signaled now that it will reopen that question as well if Singapore moves. So while SNAP offered only non-voting shares to public investors, it does have a multi-class common structure. Uh, a small but growing number of young companies have been going public with dual and even triple-class share structures. Why does this trend alarm CII and its members, and, and what is the council doing in response? So SNAP notwithstanding, the major problem is with more traditional dual-class structures. There are many more of them, and we seem to be seeing a good number of companies going public, particularly tech companies with differential voting rights, including in recent weeks, but with a more traditional structure aside from SNAP. We're hearing a long-termism argument out there that dual-class structures can preserve freedom of action for the founder and managers and create more value, more dynamism for the economy. But the academic evidence just is not there. Academic evidence suggests that notwithstanding some some anecdotes, some particular companies controlled by virtue of differential voting rights do not outperform in the medium and long term and possibly even in the near term 
uh, and in fact may underperform. So CII plans to expand discussions with investment banks and lawyers behind these structures, and we also plan to, as a minimum, push for meaningful sunset provisions if dual-class structures are employed. So Evan Spiegel at SNAP said it would be five years before the world understands what he's doing and sees the potential in it. So how about rather than saddle markets with something like a future Viacom that, you know, 50 years from now is still still controlled by a very small shareholder, why not sunset this in five years or at least provide that shareholders will vote on a one-vote, one-share basis after five years on extending the differential voting rights structure for another term? Well, that sounds reasonable. How can CII members weigh in on their own? So it's very important to do so. Uh, S&P has already launched a consultation, and I think you could make an argument that S&P is particularly important in this, given the importance of the S&P 500 index and a somewhat qualitative methodology that they use uh, for index constituents. So it's critical that investors weigh in. Uh, S&P seeks responses to six questions, so they have this pretty focused, and and the responses are due by May 3. CII will be submitting comments, and we will get the comments to our members well in advance of May 3, if that's helpful. FTSE Russell has said they will launch a consultation later in April and anticipate winding up the process by late June. And we think that MSCI will also undertake a consultation in the near term. It's important to comment on each of those, and particularly if you're a client uh, of, of one of the firms, to comment in that case. Also would urge investors, um, in, including our members who are international, uh, in this sense that is not Singapore-based, to write to the Singapore Exchange. You, you, there's a lot of respect, I think, for international investors. And so urge you to write the Singapore Exchange and urge them against following the road that we've already traveled uh, or traveled by the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ that has led to the current problems. The Singapore Exchange comments are due by April 17. Well, thanks, Ken, for sharing CI's perspective and explaining to members how they can use their voice to weigh in. Members can find more information about dual-class shares easily on CI's website. Just go to the homepage, www.cii.org, Scroll down to where it says CII Priorities on the left-hand side and click on the box that says Dual Class Stock. That takes you to a page that explains CII's support for the principle of one share, one vote. It also has links to a list of dual class companies and CII's letters to SNAP and index providers and the stock exchanges. Thank you.